Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Now, from Happy Valley, here's your host, Brian Tripp. Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Brian Tripp, so pleased to be with you once again. And today we have two special guests with us. We have Dr. Carl Olson, the Assistant Athletic Director for Performance Psychology at Penn State, and also a new member of the Penn State Athletics family, Adriana Napolitano, the Assistant Director of Performance Psychology. Thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast with us. Our pleasure. I think one of the first things we need to get into, and a part of the Penn State team for performance of the student-athletes, is the psychology part. Sometimes people think psychology, and they just think sitting down in a room, and you're talking to someone who you can work through your issues with one-on-one. Here, it's sport performance psychology. So, Dr. Olson, we'll start with you. Can you explain and give fans an idea of what that Sure. And it's a big distinction between what you'd think of in the traditional sense. The performance psychology approach that we take here starts with the recognition that as a human being, everything you do begins with a thought. The quality of that thought has everything to do with what comes next, which means excellence begins in the mind. It's not a priority thing. It's more of a sequencing thing. So if we get the right mentality, the right mindset for every performance, up front, then everything that follows will be better. So it's a, it's a growth mindset. It's a strengths-based approach to building mental skills for performance really across the board. I mean, we start with athletics as a point of entry, but it's going to impact academics and it's going to impact you know, interviewing for jobs and anything else. Anywhere where you're going to be engaged in something where the stakes are high and you have to really be able to manage yourself. Adriana, as someone coming into the Penn State family new, what attracted you to the model that Penn State started to build here to help student athletes? Yeah, so it's definitely much more applied work, which is great. Like you were saying, you're not just sitting in a room or sitting on a couch talking. Um, You are doing that. We do one-on-one sessions, but it's much more teamwork-based and coach-based and developing the entire athletic department. Another thing that's so attractive about Penn State is that it's the entire athletic department. It's not just one sport, one team that you see at a lot of other universities. It's really integrated all throughout. And it's kind of ironic. We're doing this podcast in the Morgan Academic Center, which is where your offices are, but I have a feeling you're very rarely here, though. That's absolutely true. We uh, are The lights are on, but nobody's home pretty frequently. <laughs> we set up individual appointments, and obviously we'll be in the office for any of those. Largely, our work is out in the environment, in the natural habitat of the team's We see the coaches throughout the mornings. We see the teams throughout the afternoons and evenings. And so, yeah, we go to them and embed into their natural. How much of it is it observation for you, and how much is it where you're actively being a part of the process? It's both. I mean, it's it's an interesting blend, and it depends on the team and the culture of the team and what the coaches are looking for. So anytime we're at a practice or a game, there's a lot of observation going on, looking for are, they, are the athletes engaging in the skills that we've taught them? Are the coaches managing themselves in the way that we've taught them? And also just looking for what might be the next good thing that we could teach them, the next skill, whether it's about composure or communication or attention or something like that. But also a lot of the work that happens before the practice or before the competition is, is partnering with the coaches, understanding where they want to see the growth happen, and then brainstorming what might be the best mental skills to incorporate into maybe the first 20 minutes of practice to give them an idea of what they can control more of and then potentially have a better practice. So it's, it's almost a just-in-time education and then the observation to see how it goes. 
how do you develop the relationships and the trust as to where you can make an impact? And I think for both of you in your careers, you probably can touch on this aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. So this being just barely over a month in, that has been my focal point this one month. And then, you know, continuing, continuing on to the beginning of this year is just spending that time building that relationship. Um, a large part of that is just being there being around, stopping in coaches' offices, being around the team, whether that's stopping by a practice, even if it's not necessarily talking to them in a formal setting, but just showing face and showing that we are invested and we care enough to show up and be there. How long does that take? I'm guessing <laughs> they like her in a month, but one month isn't enough sometimes. It's, it's a really interesting thing. I found the relationships came very quickly, much more quickly than I expected here, which is a real tribute to our coaches, they have, they're very curious. They have a tremendous openness to learning. They, they care about each other and pour into each other all the time. So when I interviewed for the job, I struck up relationships and conversations that same day and I, as I did a presentation. And then once I was announced, I had coaches contacting me immediately saying, we, I have an idea. I got a plan. Can you come in and let's chat? And so I've still never knocked on the door asking to share with the coaches what we can do. They've been pulling on us right from the start. And then because the relationships happened so quickly and they referred each other to me a couple of years ago. So now when I go around and introduce my colleague here, Adriana, who's tremendous value added to, to what we're doing, they instantly trust her as they're getting to know her. And it's been remarkable to see how fast they're more than happy to go straight to her now or me, whoever they see. So it, the relationship happened way faster, and it really is a credit to our coaches. And I want to dive into your background and what Penn State's doing, some of the skills that you guys look for. Uh, but the one thing I want to talk about first, I guess, uh, when you mentioned that she's been brought in, that's because Penn State's investing more and more resources for the student-athletes so they can impact their performance, whether it's nutrition, whether it's athletic training and medical services, the sports psychology aspect of it. There's so many things that Penn State is doing from a performance standpoint, so it must be a, a real luxury to work within a, an athletic department that's supportive like that. And that's a great point because you can have all the same resources, and many universities do. I've not seen another place where you have the collaboration that we have. The sport performance team is a very special body, so when you look at the heads of all of those functions that you mentioned and more, the welfare and development and sports medicine and so forth, we get together regularly, like every other week, we put the teams and the athletes at the center of the conversation and figure out how we can work together to make a difference. And I'd like to think that we were selected partly because we're collaborative people, because there's no, you can put eight silos around a table and it doesn't mean they're working together. We actually are. And it's really cool. I mean, that's exactly how I feel as well. This Penn State is a place like no other in the fact that it's not just a front. The people here, the department here genuinely care for the whole well-being of the student athlete, not just the student, not just the athlete, but the person. And so they're throwing in resources to get people who also feel the same way. We even yesterday afternoon spent about a half hour in this room with the Morgan Academic Center staff sharing with them what we're up to these days in performance psychology and how those skills can help them as they're, one, help them as individuals because they have a hard job too. 
and also help them as they're helping athletes so that, again, that collaboration steps outside of just the sport performance team. And each of you have a different path to get to Penn State in your career and your background. So can you just give fans, and we'll start with you, Dr. Olson, how you came to Penn State, and you have a very unique background from your time with the it's, United States Army. It's a very unique background indeed. That's a good way of putting it. So I spent the better part of three decades in the U.S. Army as an infantry officer. The first half of my career was more traditional. The second half of my career was a little bit different in that I had been selected about midpoint to get a, a degree in sports psychology and go to the United States Military Academy at West Point to work in their Center for Enhanced Performance. Back out to the Army later on, was selected to come to Penn State to get a PhD and go back and run that center, which is a combination of student support services, learning strategies like the Morgan Academic Center functions, and also a state-of-the-art applied sports psychology program. So coming when I retired from the Army, we loved Penn State, we loved Happy Valley, so we wanted to come back here and just put down roots and stay. And from there, I moved to the faculty for a few years in the higher ed program, which was a wonderful experience. And then when my predecessor, Dave Euclidson, retired, you know, when one of your mentors retires and you get a chance to follow on, that's pretty special. So it was a place that I loved and really believed in, and I felt like I had an eclectic set of skills by military time, but also in, in running a strategy for a center kind of be a, an interesting experiment here. What unique skills from that military time do you think you can pass along or enhance the experience for those you work with? So I think part of it is the leadership experiences because in the Army, right. as an officer, your first job, you're responsible for the lives of 34 people and it just the responsibilities just go up from there. So a couple of decades plus of experience in leading human beings in high stakes endeavors is certainly helpful. There's a lot of communication skills, a lot of counseling skills, a lot of self-regulation skills under pressure. One of the uh, ways that we've talked about it at West Point and here is you think about high-stakes competition where the outcome matters, the outcome's not completely under your control, so you better be able to manage yourself. That's combat, that's the boardroom, that's intercollegiate athletics. It's a great fit. Adriana, you also have a different background yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I had my undergraduate degree where I was a student athlete at the University of Scranton, not too far down the road from here. Um, so you're some, used to the weather. Yeah, so I'm <laughs> used to the Northeast PA weather, at least PA weather in this case. Um, and then after Scranton, I was really unsure of what to do next. So this is probably not unfamiliar for a lot of our student athletes transitioning out of here. Um, but then I got into coaching because I knew I loved the sport and I loved the development piece of it. And so I coached for a year at Oberlin College out in Ohio. And being in that coaching role is where I, dis I discovered for me the field of sports psychology. Um, I don't know if it was just the relationships we had built or whether the close age difference between myself and the players, but having players come up to me and say like, coach, these are things that are running through my head and these are things that are affecting me on the field. I'm like, there's something to this. So had the opportunity to pursue a master's degree in athletic counseling at Springfield College where I was also able to continue coaching, so get a little bit of um, both of that dynamic. And so after coaching at Springfield and graduating, I interned at the West Point Center for Enhanced Performance my second semester of my second year. That was my taste into the military, and I absolutely fell in love. Um, once I worked there, I knew that pursuing a career with the military, con contracting, consulting, um, that was a route I wanted to explore more of. So I was um, accepted to a position at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, where I spent the last about year and a half 
um, teaching and training performance enhancement techniques to military and service members down there. Let's get into some of the unique things you do with the athletes, with the coaches. What can you tell us about, and especially with Penn State football having the year they're having right now, Coach Franklin, I know, is very much invested because of his background himself in what sports performance and sports psychology can do. So the flavor of the uh, performance psychology looks and tastes a little bit different depending on which team we're Mm -hmm. with, but we start with football. Again, you have a room full of coaches who want to get better every day. They're very curious by nature. And so the dynamic looks a little bit like this. We start out in the morning. Let's say it's a Tuesday or a Wednesday morning staff meeting. In that staff meeting, he'll have some of us who are not members of the staff but are support folks like Applied Health and Performance Science or myself, and we will add a teachable moment for the, for the coaches. So for me, one of the things that I've been talking about is composure under pressure. You've got a ton of stuff going on. You're responsible for a lot of decisions. There are aspects of relaxation training, of mindfulness training, of just being able to take a tactical breath that can help you to maintain your composure, which will allow you to think faster and make better decisions under pressure. We share that with the coaches in the morning, sometimes give them an example, of, and that's where the military piece comes in handy as well. I can talk about life outside of athletics and how this is important for you and also for some other folks that are at the tip of the spear. Typically, they're taking notes and they're asking follow-up questions and figuring out how to practice those skills for themselves. And then that afternoon, I'll have a, a player-centric version of that exact same skill to the entire team. And then from there, I'll follow either offense or defense or special teams into their meetings. And at this point, I'm just listening because they want feedback. The coaches enjoy having me in the room, listening to what they're teaching the players, and then they'll ask for feedback afterwards so that they continue to get better and then follow maybe a position or maybe go out to practice and see how things are actually playing out. And then occasionally, we'll have a position coach who will say, I'm going to do a film session with a particular player. Can I sit in the room with the coach and the player, watch the session, and then add value if I can? When you're listening to this, there are certain words or certain ways that you can deliver a message where you can impact the way that then is received by the student athlete, whoever is on the other end. Absolutely. And so a lot of the way that we operate is, you know, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. You got to listen very carefully, mm-hmm. understand the language they're using, and then look for a way to, like, I don't want to go in and explain theory to a football player. I want to go in there and say, here's a breathing technique that you can find really useful. Or here's a approach to a reset button that's both philosophical and physiological with a, a breath control and a focal point that will allow you to reset and win six seconds at a time over and over again. And then just try to use language that I know that they'll resonate with. And what I hear now is they'll, some of the guys will stop me and they'll ask for more information on it, or they'll tell me, hey, we talked about the breath control, we talked about the focal point, and I'm using it, and here's how it's working for me. So, again, they, they're making meaning of it for themselves, and i got to make sure that I'm connecting with them. Adriana, as a former athlete and coach, then for you, Everything that goes on behind it is really great, but you just want to know, how do I improve and how can I make my performance the best? So to have it simplified and then from an athlete or coach perspective, that's what's most important. Right, absolutely. And I think what Carl has done is amazing in taking, there's so much science behind what we do, but making it digestible and making it purposeful to you know the end user, whether that's the coach or the athlete, whoever it may be. 
podcast. I'll add too in that that's one of the many things that distinguished Adriana in the competition for this position. She has the natural gift for doing that, which is advancing us. And I've seen you on sidelines at, at the football game. And sure, you're going to cheer when there's a touchdown. But you're also, what are you looking for if you're at a practice or at a game, regardless of sport? Is it body language? What are some of the things that tip you off? Looking for body language, eye contact, emotion control. I want to see if people are dropping their heads and cussing about something or just losing their temper or if they're yelling at each other or if they're connecting really well, if they have the ability to lock in and make eye contact with a coach. For guys that dress but are pretty sure, at least early on in the game, they don't think they're going to get on the field, I'm looking to see if they're adding value. Are they pouring energy into the field? Are they connecting with the fans? Are they connecting with their guys that are actually playing their position as they're coming off the field? The way they carry themselves on the sideline has a lot to do with their investment level and also if they're adding value or becoming a distraction. And we want to make sure that at every single person is owning the role that they have. And if you're not spending the time going around campus, getting to know 31 teams, over 800 student-athletes. Every athlete, every coach is different. They all have different needs and different personalities. So that makes the job, I think, probably exhilarating, but also very difficult at times, too. It's gotten easier since September 17th, the day that we'll live in, in infamy or when Adriana joined the team. It, uh, it is exhilarating. It can be challenging. We're both built for curiosity, so we want the engagement with coaches, we want, we love the fact that the personalities aren't the same. We love the fact that the needs aren't exactly the same. And then one of the things that really helps us, I feel, is that we get to collaborate now. What did you hear? What did I hear? What do you think? Where are we going next? What might we be able to offer? What did we just learn from listening to our coaches? Right. And it's not just a one size fits all approach like, oh, this month we're going to talk about confidence or mm -hmm. next month we're going to talk about attention control. It really is that get to know that individual in that moment and just meet them where they're at and go from there. And I can imagine, and maybe you can give us a few examples on this, that working with football is different. I know you had a great relationship very early on here at Penn State with Rob Cooper and Penn State baseball. Indeed. And then what Penn State softball is, is doing or women's hockey and what Jeff Campersall wants. It's, it is very different as we go. And some of it is the experience level of the coaches. Some of it is what the coach inherited and where they want to move forward, right? Because each coach is going to put their fingerprint on it. We have some teams like field hockey where you got a coach who's been here 33 years and is a legend in, in many ways. Really curious person who is always looking for how to teach 21st century student athletes how to take ownership. Baseball, it's gonna, baseball by nature, it, it's got some aspects to the mental game because a game can last forever uh, you can have all kind of uncontrollables that that come into the environment we saw that during the world series when we were up after midnight every night exactly <laughs> and we saw that when a game was canceled up because of fog yes we saw when you lose sight of a ball and, and and other interesting things or the wind and what we have you know i'll take a look at softball and baseball i think what's really special there is you've got coaches who are so invested in mental aspects of their game that they are teaching the mental skills and we're reinforcing them and that's it's happening across with many different sports is uh, women's gymnastics would be put in the same bucket women's soccer the same men's soccer where because we've developed these relationships and we're having these conversations with staffs we're watching them lead differently with more enhanced performance oriented language and so forth but then again each one of those is 
is a little bit different. When you come to a place like Penn State, you're getting the best of the best in coaches. And Russ Rose has been here forever. Sharmarat Curtis has been here forever, as you mentioned. So what have you learned from coaches during your three years and Adriana during your first month here at Penn State? Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to kicking this to you in just a second. Yeah. <laughs> it's, what I have learned is how, how hard they work, how wise they are, how well-read they are, and then sports-specific IQ. So if you watch Russ Rose coach, doesn't miss anything. His eyes pick up everything, and he can he can share. We ask questions when we're over there because he can unpack for us what he sees and why it's so important. And then from that, we have an opportunity to potentially add something to the players because it's a fresh voice on something they've heard before from the coaches. Just like when you're parenting, have somebody else talk to your kid because at some point you become static. Well, that can happen with players to coaches as well. Then the the wisdom that uh, the coaches who have been here for so long have understanding the culture of Penn State, watching how much care and concern they have for the overall student-athlete and the academic component of that, and making sure that all of the language that we use is reinforcing those kind of messages. But at the end of the day, they're super smart, they're really wise and insightful, and they study their craft amazingly well. Yeah, I don't know what else I can add on to that, but in the first month, being able to see these coaches as more than just a coach and that they take their role, they see their role as more than just a coach of an athlete who's playing a sport. They see their role as someone who is developing a human being for the rest of their life after their time at Penn State. And it's fantastic and just unbelievable to see the amount they care and to always, you know, hearing best practices from other professions, other people, other coaches about how they're handling student athletes at that moment or well, you know, what's happening with this team happened with this team two months ago. How can we help? And just that shared learning aspect has been unbelievable in that none of them are happy with complacency or that aspect of it. Isn't it amazing when you're around a sport and, and whether you're a broadcaster, whatever your profession may be, how much it slows down the more and more you see it. So you can understand why a coach who's been around for 40 years can see every little mo movement and knows every little thing that's going on. It's crazy to see how they do that. And the coaches are really good at slowing the game down. Like that's not their target. It's just that they're so wise and one little piece of information represents so much to them so they know what to do with it it is it's really impressive to watch so as you develop these relationships with coaches you become an extra not only an extra set of eyes and an extra set of ears for them you then can provide them feedback and almost become their coach in a way yes and the, we do have some coaches that have nicknamed me the coach's coach and it's a it's a tremendous honor to ha to get that nickname they use us as a sounding board they ask for perspectives what we share with them may or may not be something that they can run with, but it helps them get to the answer they're looking for and they know what to do with it. And we don't have all the right answers either, but we have a lens and a perspective that can help them. We're not in the food chain, so to speak. So it's more of a, a truly open brainstorming collaborative type of a discussion. So every coach is looking for that one thing to separate their team from the rest of the field. I would say that the one thing that our coaches look for the most in that is making sure that they're really intentional with building their culture first. They get on the front end of it. You, when you try to build a culture in response to adversity, it's hard. If you build the culture on the front end because you know you're going to need it when the adversity hits, it's so much more effective. And we have coaches that are really good at this. Well, appreciate the time from both of you here on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Hopefully we can chat again, but uh, really enjoyed it. 
Awesome. Thank you very much. We will be back with more next week here on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. (laughs) 